You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Mission Matters Live, a program focused on promoting a spirit of mission among the people of God in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Megan Mio, and I'm the director of the Global Mission Office in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Our engineers this morning are Mike and Brian. You are listening to WNDZ 750 AM, and this is our new day and time. You will hear Mission Matters on the second Wednesday of the month at 8 a.m. Central from now on. That is the second Wednesday of the month at 8 a.m. We look forward to seeing you then. This month I have with me three young missionary women who are originally from the Archdiocese of Chicago, but they have lived and ministered in various countries around the world. They were blessed to have have had this experience through Consolatio, which is a Brooklyn-based nonprofit organization rooted in the Catholic faith. And this is the mission of Consolatio. Walking with those whose hearts are wearied by loneliness, we seek to offer the comfort, consolation, and hope of God's abiding presence through personal life-transforming relationships that reveal the beauty and dignity of each person. That's a lot. So we're going to hear more about what that means. We have with us Anna Flournoy, who works for Consolatio as the manager of communications and outreach. She was also a missionary in Peru. We have Elizabeth Poynton, who was a missionary in Brazil. And we have Rhiannon O'Keefe, who was a missionary in El Salvador. So we're blessed to have these women here with us today. And I know that they are excited to share their experiences and reflections on mission with us, especially as we have entered Mission Month, and this month we'll be celebrating World Mission Sunday later on. It's exciting to hear from three young people, three young women, about why they have said yes to the call to go forth. So thank you for joining us, and welcome, Anna, Elizabeth, and Rhiannon. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks. Wonderful. Okay, so let's get to know each of you. Um, So if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, and uh, maybe a little bit about um, where you went for mission and uh, what you're doing today. So Anna, please tell us about yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Anna. I'm originally from Palatine, Illinois. So I grew up in the community of St. Thomas of Villanova, um, the parish there and the school. And uh, after I graduated college, I went on mission with Concuacio for a year and a half in Lima, Peru. And uh, now, um, after coming back from mission in several years, I'm married and I have a one-year-old daughter, Magdalena. So I spend most of my time with her, um, being with her, and then also helping Concuacio with communications and outreach. Wonderful. Excellent. Okay. Now, Elizabeth, 
Tell us about yourself. Hi, my name is Elizabeth, and I um, grew up in Hickory Hills, Illinois, which is in the southwest suburbs, um, and grew up going to St. Fabian's Parish in Bridgeview. Um, and I went on mission at the end of 2019 um, to uh, Simoes Filio, Brazil, which is close to Salvador in the no northeastern region. Um, I was there for 16 months, and um, now I've been home for a almost two years now, which is crazy to think about. And um, now I'm living in the Pilsen neighborhood of Chicago and working as a teaching assistant at a Catholic preschool on the South side. Okay. So you're nearby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think I realized that. We'll have to talk more later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's wonderful. Okay. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. And Rhiannon, tell us about yourself. Yeah. Hi. Um, my name is Rhiannon. I grew up in Beverly on the South side of Chicago and I went to St. Barnabas and St. Ignatius for, yeah, for grade school and high school. Um, and I took a gap year after graduating St. Ignatius, and I was in El Salvador for eight months um, in San Salvador. And then I also did a bonus mini mission over this summer, um, kind of going to help out in the house there for another month. Um, so nine months total on mission always in the same house. Um, and now I'm a sophomore at Stanford University in California. Wonderful. And those uh, listeners or um, followers of the Global Mission Office might remember that actually Rhiannon's story, we shared a little bit about it on our Facebook page while she was on her mission experience in El Salvador. Um, I was lucky to have spoken to her before she went um, and then to get to hear a little bit about it while she was there. So that was kind of our inroad to Consolatio to hear a little bit more about what this experience is like, especially for young people. And uh, I'm so glad to have the three of you here with us today because now we're going to get a little more breath from not just Rhiannon's experience, but the, the two others as well. So wonderful. So now Anna works for Consolatio in communication. So I'll ask you if you could just tell us a little bit more about Consolatio itself. Um, what should our listeners know about this organization? Yes. So as you mentioned, Consolatio is a nonprofit organization based in the Catholic faith. So um, we, and, and we're based out of Brooklyn. So we're a nonprofit organization that offers young adults the opportunity to spend one to two years uh, abroad um, as missionaries living a ministry of presence in places of great suffering. So, um, yes, so that's, that's kind of in a nutshell what the experience is. So our young missionaries, they live in, in houses in more impoverished neighborhoods in large cities. So in Lima, Peru, it's 10 million people, and we were in a, a little neighborhood that's more impoverished in a home. So our communities are not um, homeless shelters, they're not soup kitchens, mm -hmm. they're houses in neighborhoods. So we really seek to uh, be neighbors with the people that we live with, um, to become their friends, to enter into their lives enter into the, their culture. Um, so we really seek to live as our neighbors do. You know, we, we do our shopping at the neighborhood market. Um, we take the buses and we, we walk to visit our friends. So we really enter into the culture and lives of those we're living with um, and become their neighbors and their friends. Mm -hmm. And so in this home, um, we live in a community of four to seven other young adults from other countries around the world. So I was living with people from 
Argentina, Ukraine, El Salvador, uh, Germany, Poland, France. Um, so from all around the world, we come together and we live this intentional community life with other young adults. Mm-hmm. And that's really the, the, um, the family that gives us this framework to live this mission. Um, and in our home, as a community, we live an intense prayer life together. So we'll go to daily mass at the local parish. Um, we pray morning, evening, and night prayer as the liturgy of the hours. We have, we're blessed to have a chapel in our house with the Blessed Sacrament. So we each spend an hour um, of adoration with the Blessed Sacrament every day. And then we also pray the rosary with the neighborhood kids and people from the neighborhood. Um, so really our life is rooted in this intense intense prayer. And that's what gives us, um, that's what guides our mission and gives us the strength in life to live what we do. So what is it that we do? Um, a lot of, we, we talk about our mission as a ministry of presence. So it's very, very simple. We live friendships with people. Um, we're present to them. We are accompanying them. Uh, we're being with them in their joys and in their sufferings. So it looks like very everyday things. Um, our house is a place where people can come to whenever they want, just knock on the door, come in, uh, talk to someone, have a glass of water, join us in prayer, um, help us cook in the kitchen, uh, draw a picture. It's just a space where people know they can come and be received um, and be um, looked at with love and a gaze of attention that perhaps other people never give um, to them. So a lot of people who are kind of marginalized or um, excluded from society for various reasons will come to our place. They know it's a place of of love and a haven of peace. Um, So our home offers that. We create this place of beauty and hospitality. But then we also go out to visit people in their homes. So every afternoon we'll go out in pairs to visit our friends in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And these are people who are elderly, who might be homebound. They're uh, families, there there might be um, people with disabilities, people we know who just got sick, somebody who was diagnosed with cancer, their friends who we accompany through the various things of life. So sometimes the visits are very simple, um, sharing a cup of tea and talking about things. Other times it's more difficult. We're attending the funeral of, of a friend who passed away. We're going with someone to the hospital. So um, we visit our friends and accompany them through these moments of life. And then we also go and visit um, places of more intentional suffering. So every community has two apostles outside of the neighborhood. Mm. So a prison, a psychiatric ward, a hospital um, in Senegal, they visit a garbage dump. We would visit a rehabilitation center for young men and a home for children. So we have these places that we also go on a weekly basis to accompany people there. Um, So that's kind of, in a nutshell, what we live as a part of this mission experience. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, one of the first things um, when I heard about Consolatio was thinking, well, this is not your typical mission trip, right? Or even a mission uh, immersion in, in many ways, because there's, it seems like it's so simple um, in terms of just living with people um, and building relationships. Um but there's something very profound about it, right? This is the community understands this home to be a place where they are they can find friends, somebody who will, you know, 
walk with them, who will listen to them, who will sit and, you know, share a meal, something like that. Um, it can be very, I'm sure, very um, powerful uh, kind of force for peace and for good and for human dignity, um, just as the mission statement says. Um, so now I'd just like to ask um, Elizabeth and Rhiannon, um, how did you decide to get involved with Consolatio? How did you hear about it and, and what made you decide to have this experience? Elizabeth. So I heard about Consolatio um, through a postgraduate service fair when I was in my junior year um, in undergrad um, studying theology. And at that point, um, a year of service or mission wasn't necessarily on the horizon for me. Um, I was actually at this fair to recruit for another program I was helping to lead. Um, but um, little by little and growing with friendship and um, relationship with the community through emails and just um, participating in like our discernment process to, to learn more about Consolatio, um, I really uh, um, uh, fell in love with the charisms that Anna was describing of community life and prayer life. Um, and service had always been really important to me. Um, but I think, um, I think what attracted me specifically to Consolatio and what I received from God as an invitation to serve him in this way was just how centered on prayer our life in Consolatio is and how um, Jesus in the Eucharist is um, like in our faith, the source and summit of our life um, and to live that in a very um, very concrete and very radical way on mission was really, really attractive to me. I was going to say intentional too. I mean, this is something that's um, somebody, you know, has, has put together these communities and all these different places and, and that there's, um, there's a, a little bit of a structure there. Uh, it sounded like from what Anna was saying too. And I think that's, you know, all the pieces are there um, for then people to kind of make those connections. Well, this is what my faith really teaches me. Um, so, um, right before the break, we'll just take a minute here. I'd like to hear, um, from Rhiannon, what made you decide to join Consolatio? Yeah, I, um, well, I decided on taking the gap year because it was 2020 and COVID and I, I didn't want to do online college. Um, and I was looking at jobs, I was looking at internships, all of this stuff. And I, my dad recommended that I look into missions too. And I was like, okay, sure. Um, and it, it was, I don't know, it just came up on a, a page from the Archdiocese of Denver. It was just a list of missions and missions, and I clicked on every single one. Um, and Consolatio was really the only one that that really spoke to me. I think um, also the structured prayer life was really important to me because I knew that was how I would like actually get myself to, to pray and, and do the things. Um, I was also really attracted by the international mission because I... I Kind of had this spirit like i wanted to get out i wanted to see the world um and that was something that became much more profound later like i fell in love with culture and language and all that but um that was kind of the initial attraction and then i think the the ministry itself was something that i had thought about um, i think it was something i had in my heart already um like this charism of presence but i had never really put it into words um and so when I when I finally saw it and I lived it at um, formation, it like really spoke to me. And um, yeah, so it was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's always something. There's something that's kind of drawing you in. And then 
Um, but there's nothing like experiencing it firsthand, too. Um, so I'm sure that that continues to transform you. Well, it's time for our first break, but we'll be right back to continue our discussion on Consolatio, a ministry of presence. Stay tuned. We'll hear more soon. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. This is your 44 for me teaching. When I started here, there were teachers here that had taught me when I was a student. Now I'm the old person. <laughs> right now, I teach junior high math. I love when kids find what I'm teaching to be fun and they get it. I see that light bulb go off and it's a thrill. People are always amazed, what, what? You're here for 44 years? It's hard for me to believe, frankly. <laughs> I love what I do. Every summer I think, oh, I miss the classroom. Even on the weekends, I think I can't wait to get back on Monday and teach those quadratic equations. <laughs> Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach. Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. Do you have an old bicycle that's not being used? Consider donating it to Catholic Charities Veterans Bike Project of Lake County. Skilled volunteers are refurbishing bicycles to make them safe and ready to be used by veterans to get to and from their new places of work. We also gratefully accept financial contributions that are used to purchase bike helmets and other safety accessories. Our veterans have faithfully served the United States and now it is our privilege to serve them. For more information on the Veterans Bike Project of Lake County, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Mission Matters Live. I am Megan Mio, Director of the Global Mission Office, and I'm here with Anna, Elizabeth, and Rhiannon. 
all of whom have experienced a mission immersion experience in different countries through an organization called Consolatio. They are sharing with us about their experiences and what it has meant for them. Now, before the break, we heard that Anna had lived in a community, in a, in a home in Peru. Elizabeth had lived in Brazil and Rhiannon in El Salvador. So um, we got just a little bit of a glimpse of what life, what day-to-day life might have been like um, from what Anna had to say about just what Consolatio does. Uh, it's an international community of, uh, of young people who are living in a home in just day-to-day life um, in a particular community that, um, that may be suffering in some way. Um, but I'd like to hear about, you know, your specific, your particular experiences. So um, just ask, you know, what has stayed with you from this experience? Or what are, what are some of those key memories from your time living in mission? Um, I'll ask Elizabeth to get us started. Elizabeth, you're muted, so we can't hear you. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> happens to the best of us. Yeah. Um, I think some of there's so many key memories that that remain with me and that I carry in my heart from my time in Brazil. Um, but um, and all of these memories are a real concrete people, real people that um, I had fr- have friendships with that um, I grew to love and who grew to love me. Um, and one of those people that I, I think about a lot is, um, a man that I met named Senor Ernesto, um, Mr. Ernesto, um, who was a longtime friend of, um, my community in Brazil. Um, and our home there has been in the community for, um, over 27 years at this point. Um, so a really longstanding, um, just, um, fixture in the community, um, which is really exciting, um, and Senor Ernesto was a friend who, um, knew the community from the very beginning, from the first missionaries, um, who, who lived in our neighborhood, um, and, and um, generations of missionaries were able to accompany this man who, um, had a severe accident, um, as a truck driver, so was bedridden for, for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time I came into the community in 2019, um, he had known the community for, for over 20 years. Um, and, uh, um, at this point he used to live in our neighborhood, but when I came, he had lived in a, in a neighborhood farther away. Um, so we couldn't visit him as frequently. Um, but I, I was also in Brazil during the pandemic. So during the pandemic that changed a lot of the dynamics of our relationships, but at some point during more of our homebound time, Senora Nesta moved back to our neighborhood. Um, and little by little, we were able to start visiting him more frequently, um, which wasn't something we were able to do for several years before that. Um, and it was actually a beautiful gift of Providence that he moved back at the time he did. Um, and we were able to um, visit him in his home where he lived with his sister who cared for him um, for a couple months because he ended up passing away just a few months after he moved back to the neighborhood. Um, and so our community who accompanied him so much through, um, through all of his life really, um, was able to be with him in those final, final couple of weeks back in our neighborhood also. Um, and during the context of the pandemic, which was so isolating for so many people. Um, and so just Senor Ernesto's, um, 
life and his story with our community and also just his his beautiful way of receiving us um, in, in who he is. Um, with all of his limitations, he received us with our limitations and humanness as well. Um, and so, yeah, he's just a really special friend that I carry with me today. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing something so meaningful for you. Um, now I'd like to ask Rhiannon, would you tell us a little something, and don't forget to unmute yourself, tell us something about what you recall from your time in El Salvador. Um, yeah, I mean, in addition to, to of course, the people who, um, honestly, I, a lot of them I don't have to, like, have in my memory. Like, I, I'm still in contact with so many of them, um, which is a huge blessing. But I think a big, like, takeaway was definitely adoration and like that time that we have an hour just us with Jesus every single day. Um, that was something that like I'd never dived so deeply um, into personal prayer and meditation and just sitting before the, the Eucharist and letting Jesus love me and offering him all of the people I've encountered and all of my internal struggles and my community, um, just having that time um, in front of the Eucharist was immensely powerful. Um, and I've since coming back, like I've I've tried to make holy hours or just like holy fifteen minutes, like as as many times as I can, um, because I really miss that, um, and it really really makes a difference in in your heart. Um, and then your relationship with God. So I think, yeah, those hours of adoration were, were hugely important for me. Yeah, I think there's something about how busy we get um, in our day-to-day -day lives that we don't, I mean, I, this is just a half thought here, but we, it's like we don't have a chance to just focus on the most important things, the people in our lives, of course, the presence of God in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, so when you're on this mission experience, you have a chance to just shut out all that other stuff and focus. Um, that is such a gift. Um, and I certainly, in, in adoration with the Eucharist, reminding us that we are all the body of Christ, um, too, and that which, of course, sends us forth. Um, is a beautiful thing. Wonderful. And Anna, would you like to just tell us a, a memory, too, of yours that has stayed with you? Yeah, speaking of the body of Christ, um, something that has definitely stayed with me is my community and my friendships with the people in my community who remind me of definitely the body of Christ because we come and a lot of people say the experience in the community is the best and most difficult part of, of mission because we're all coming from different cultural backgrounds, different personalities, um, different native languages. We all speak the language of the country that we're in. So we all learn Spanish and Peru. And we spoke that in the home. And um, so, you know, we have all these differences that could be difficult to live with, yet we're all called to this mission at that time and to live together. And there's something that is just goes beyond all of those differences that unite us. Um, and so over the course of mission, I began to discover it as something just so beautiful that these differences aren't an issue. In fact, it's, we are the body of Christ and together we complement each other. So 
you know, I had one community sister who loved the little kids in the neighborhood and they would come to our house every day, um, pray the rosary and then play, stay and play in the house. And she was so good with that and she loved them. Whereas I loved the people who were more elderly. I could sit for hours, listen to their life stories. Um, we had someone else who just was really good with the teens and um, young adults of the neighborhood who maybe were kind of a little bit lost in seeking that friendship, somebody to talk about those life questions, and she was really good with them. So I realized through all of our differences and different passions, we can really embrace more people. We really can be that body of Christ that loves everyone. So um, definitely those relationships that I formed with the people in my community, and we we often said that like we go there to love those in our neighborhood, um, but oftentimes like the real challenge and um, place where we really learn that deep love is in the community in our home and those people are definitely people who um, I, I'm still in touch with and I'm talking with um, still and have those friendships and uh, continue to support me in my life now and my questions now and so that's really a huge gift despite being in different parts of the world and doing different things coming from different places we're all united by this by God really by his fall so you have a common faith. And I think, too, you have a common call to mission. Um, I, I was just going to say that that really makes me think about the concept of mutuality in mission, too, which is that, that, that mission isn't uh, just something that we you know, do for others, give to others, that they also give it to us and we receive. Um, and so this is something where uh, all of those of you who are living in that house and then certainly the members of the community, too, you're giving and receiving to one another. It's a really uh, beautiful example, uh, model for mission that um, I'm so happy we can share with our listeners. Um, well, it's time for our next break, um, but we'll be back to continue our discussion with Anna, Elizabeth and Rhiannon about consolatio. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program has been especially busy this year, assisting individuals and families who have fled dangerous situations in their homeland, including Afghanistan and the Ukraine. The Refugee Resettlement Team helps with everything they need to start to rebuild their lives in a new country, including housing, employment, clothing, food, English classes, and referrals for legal and immigration services. The refugees are tremendously grateful for the compassion and practical help they're receiving, and they're giving back and helping each other plan for a brighter, safer future. Volunteer opportunities are currently available for those who would like to be family mentors and tutors so children and adults can practice English. To learn more about these rewarding opportunities, call 
312-655-7096. That's 312-655-7096. I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it, it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to Mission Matters Live. I am Megan Mio, Director of the Global Mission Office in the Archdiocese of Chicago. You're listening to WNDZ 750 AM. Today I have with me three missionaries who lived in various countries as volunteers with the organization called Consolatio, which focuses on walking with people who are suffering in the world and offering comfort consolation, and hope through the Ministry of Presence. We have with us Anna Flournoy, Elizabeth Poynton, and Rihanna O'Keefe. And all three women are originally from the Chicago Archdiocese of Chicago parishes. So we're very happy to have them here with us today. And before our, our most recent break, we were hearing a little bit about that experience that each of the three of them have had um, living in three different places, three different areas of the world. Um, over the last couple of years, uh, each of you in different at different times were on these mission experiences. Um, now, and you've all been returned for some time, whether uh, a year or more. And um, I thought, you know, even just having you here on the show today, you're you're kind of processing and and explaining and and expressing what the experience was like. Um, but I always find it interesting to talk to folks about how do you. How do you talk to people about your mission experience? Because sometimes it can be very difficult to express um, to those who, who just can't imagine um, what that life experience was like. So I wondered if you could just tell us a little bit about, you know, how did you share your story with others uh, in, in any big or small ways? Um, so I wonder if maybe Rhiannon could get us started this time. How did you share sure. your mission story with others? 
Yeah. Um, well, I'll say, first of all, when we are on mission, we write letters to our, our financial and spiritual sponsors. Um, so that was kind of the first level where those people who um, we had presented the mission before we even left and asked for their support, um, we keep track of their emails. And then every two months, um, you write a letter um, kind of recapping what's been going on and how we're feeling and, you know, whatever you want to write in a letter. Um, and so that was kind of our, like the principal way in which I shared what was going on with that circle of, of people. Um, but then upon coming back, um, I have kind of, just, yeah, had it, I let it come up in conversations all the time because I loved the mission and it was such a formative part of my life. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I always start with the charism and try to explain that like, it is a very different type of mission as you were saying, Megan. Um, and that does make it kind of hard to express sometimes because if I say I was a missionary, people will be like, oh, well, what did you do? <laughs> and it's not so much about doing as being and so I always try to start at that level um and then kind of explain like our, our day-to-day lives and our prayer and the community but there are so many aspects that it um yeah it is it's difficult <laughs> it's difficult um but yeah I think I like the point that gets across is just like my joy when I talk about it and I think people can see that um, really clearly that I, I love El Salvador. I love the people that I met. I love um, the community and having structured prayer. And I think they can kind of tell, um, hopefully, how I've how I've grown from that experience. Um, and then I just kind of leave it open to questions because people always have a lot of questions about, you know, what was the lifestyle like there, and like who who were the friends that you had, and um, like, did you know Spanish going in, like all these things. Um, and so I kind of let people ask about the things that interest them and hopefully the mission will speak to them in whatever way appeals to them most. Yeah, I definitely, I would say actually doing these interviews through our radio program, I think that the passion of those who've been on mission or who are in continuing on in mission, um, that's what speaks, I think the loudest is, is the joy and the love, um, that comes through in your very presence, back to the Ministry of Presence. Um, Anna, would you tell us a little bit about how you've, and, and working in co- communication for Consolatio, um, how have you shared your mission experience with others? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my job obviously lends itself to that. <laughs> um, but the reason why I was interested in really doing this communications and outreach is because I feel like I received so much that wasn't just for me, it was meant to be shared with others. Um, we were given really, really a lot. And so it's important that we can share that with others. So we're grateful to be here today. Um, but I think my experience coming back was even though there's this huge cultural difference, obviously in the neighborhood in Peru was very different than um, where I live in the U.S. And so that was like this big gap, but I kind of discovered that really the core of what we live on mission is um, like a profound, intense experience of God and our faith and of humanity and and um, what just a human person experiences and goes through. And those things 
are present no matter where I am and in any culture. So I actually was very surprised and um, glad to discover that the mission was so translatable. Um, I come back here and it's like, I can go to daily mass. I can have adoration. I can pray the rosary. I can do all of the, I can discover God in, um, in my neighbor, in while I'm doing dishes, the simple acts of, of my daily life. And my neighbor is suffering too. People in different ways have different sufferings, but everybody does have their own crosses. And so, you know, how can I be attentive to um, the person at my parish who seems to not have any family or a friend that I know who's struggling with mental illness? All of those things are so present where I am today. So I think I discovered that it's so translatable and I can live what I was living in Peru here as well. Um, so I think that was kind of helped me transition that mission, like discover that the mission I was living in Peru is continues here. Um, and so that's how I've been sharing it with others too, is in a way by living it. Um, and ways like I can invite a friend over to cook a Peruvian meal together, and then I'm sharing what I learned from the Peruvian woman. Um, or just recently, I invited several moms and their kids over to our house to pray a rosary together, and I realized I did this every day with many kids in Peru. <laughs> so I know kids can pray a rosary, um, and that's something that's like I'm sharing the experience. I'm, re I'm really living it, so I don't necessarily have to put it to words. Um, yeah. And even with my husband and I, we can you know, pray morning prayer together. My husband was actually also on mission um, in Ecuador. So we have that kind of shared experience and yeah. it totally has transformed and formed the way in which we live our marriage and, and our raising our kids. So um, I think a lot of the way I share it is just by living it. It makes me think of the word witness too. Um, that is, it comes up in mission a lot. It's about the way we live our lives, just our day-to-day -day way of life that, that we exemplify, uh, whether you're here or there or anywhere, that um, maybe this experience with Consolatio really um, informed your day-to-day -day living. Uh, you'll continue it here. Yeah, that's wonderful. Elizabeth, share with us. Um, how have you shared your experience with others after you returned? Yeah, I really resonate a lot with the things that Rhiannon and Anna shared, um, but something maybe I could um, um, add on to that would be um, in addition to just like being available to take advantage of the organic opportunities that happen in conversation with friends and families, um, family members. Um, I was also able to go back and speak at my parish after I got home and um, the community um, welcomed me to share a little bit about um, my mission experience during mass one day and share photos afterwards, which was a really beautiful opportunity um, to to share with this community back home who supported me um, while I was away. Um, and then another piece was just um, continuing in relationship with um, the members of Consolatio who are still in the United States when I got back, both with returned missionaries and um, the community in Brooklyn where we're based here. Um, because when we come home, it doesn't have to be like an end of the relationship. Um, in fact, I'll, uh, we kind of talk about our time and mission as like an orientation to your orientation in life, which is like kind of weird, heady language. But basically when we come back, um, like Anna says, we continue to leave, live this mission and um, we continue to be accompanied by 
this community um, if we so choose um, by continuing a relationship um, with the people back here in the United States as well. And that's been um, really important for me since I've been back too. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of thing, uh, this is my take. I don't know. I may be right or wrong, but um, is that I think it is really important and profound for young people to have this kind of an experience of mission because it's going to continue to impact your faith life, your day-to-day life, your future, wherever it is that you'll be going with your life, and you'll be going many places. Um, that I mean, it's wonderful that anybody has any mission experience, but I think for young people in particular, because you still are trying to figure out who you are, and um, I think that this can help form you. This can really be something that you're going to continue to unpack and understand more deeply and more deeply and more deeply over many, many years. Um, so I encourage you, all three of you, in your ongoing relationships, um, these are going to be helpful, I'm sure. Um, All right, well, it's time for our last break. If you can believe it, the time is flying by. Uh, But we're going to be back in just a moment to conclude our discussion on Consolatio, a ministry of presence. Please stay tuned. that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible, free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit. And now when you are ready, our doors are open wide Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. At Catholic Charities, we want to remind you that we are here for anyone who is a victim of domestic violence or anyone who has a concern about someone they think may be a victim. Domestic violence affects millions of people each year, both women and men, of every race, religion, culture, and economic status. 
It includes physical, psychological, and emotional abuse, inflicted in both subtle and overt ways. The impact on children can be devastating. If you or someone you know are victims of domestic violence and you are looking for a place for healing and recovery, call us at 773-935-3434 in Cook County and 224-430-4977 in Lake County. A safer, happier tomorrow can begin today. Mission Matters Live. I am Megan Mio, Director of the Global Mission Office, and I'm talking with Anna, Elizabeth, and Rhiannon, women who have offered a ministry of presence in Peru, Brazil, and El Salvador in recent years. They were all missionaries with the organization Consolatio. Now, um, in the earlier segments of our show, we were hearing a little bit about what the experience was like, how it has continued to stay with uh, all three of you um, and your time returned and um, in, informed some of the choices, life choices that you're making um, as you go on. Um, and I'm sure we'll continue to do so. Um, and we've been hearing some reflections from you about um, some of the more profound uh, relationships and experiences that you've had. But I know because I've been talking with Anna, this is just a taste of the opportunities for reflections that you can find in a new book called Come Abide, Consolatio, a Ministry of Presence. Um, this new book called Come Abide. Anna, can you tell us a little bit more about this book and how it came about and how people can find it? Yes, yes. So if you like what you've been hearing, then you can definitely read more and Come Abide. Um, the book is basically a compilation of letters from missionaries. As Rhiannon mentioned earlier, all of us write letters throughout our mission experience. And so the book takes excerpts from almost 50 different missionaries uh, in 18 different countries and compiles their stories, um, really stories of friendship, stories of people that they met and their experiences on mission. So um, the book is a compilation of these letters. And throughout the course of the book, it follows the journey of a missionary. So as we've been talking about that call to go on mission, that experience of um, first arriving at your country and discovering the life and then meeting friends and then getting deeper into their life, the sufferings, the struggles, seeing that transformation, those moments of hope, and then returning back to the U.S. and continuing to live that mission here. So it traces that journey. And then it also really gets to the core of what our mission is, which is to be with Mary at the foot of the cross. It's to be this hopeful presence um, in moments of suffering. And so the book really unpacks that. What is the suffering of loneliness? What is this... Um, need for presence, need for friendship, and uh, really all the all the beauties of what the mission is, the hospitality, the beauty, the, the friendship, presence, um, hope, and community, prayer, um, Eucharist, all of those things come through these stories of friendship from missionaries in different countries. So as you saw the link, it's available on Amazon. 
Um, you can find the book also um, on our website. As you're seeing now, uh, there's a link to it there, so you can purchase the book um, there. Great. Yeah, and you can see some uh, little blurbs there from folks on the website uh, for those who can see. Um, and, and now this book is something new that was just published this year, but there are other ways that folks can learn a little bit more about what this experience is like. Um, I asked each of you at the top of the show, you know, how did you make the decision about um, becoming a part of Consolatio, becoming a volunteer or having this mission experience? Um you know, there may be some of our listeners or young people in the lives of our listeners who would say, maybe this is something good for them. So this could be a wonderful way for folks to just kind of get a, a, a sneak peek a little bit uh, of an experience of what this would be like. Um, but there are ways that you can learn more. We've been seeing, um, for those who are able to watch our recording here, um, the website, consolatio.org, which is spelled C-O-N-S-O-L. A-T-I-O dot O-R-G, and that's C-O-N dash S-O-L-A-T-I-O dot O-R-G. And there's some other information on that website, too, for folks to kind of get to know people who've been on the mission experiences. Could you tell us more about that, Anna? Yes, so on our website, there's a blog there where we share, again, different stories from missionaries, different stories from our community in Brooklyn, Um and you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter where we have different videos, maybe spotlighting a missionary um, in their country that's on mission now. You can meet our new missionaries who are beginning now. Um, mm -hmm. And on the website, you can also read the bios of the current missionaries so you can see, you know, where they are, what led them to mission, and support them in their mission. Mm -hmm. So really it's the... The website, and then you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook um, at consolatio.ministry of presence. So that's C O N S O L A T I O dot ministry of presence. Okay. <laughs> that's hard to spell these websites out. Um, now, there, I understand that there's also events um, for folks to learn more. Is that right? Yes. So then we also have monthly. Um, virtual sneak peek info sessions. So it's really a great way to get a sense of um, if this mission resonates with you, if this is something you're interested in doing. Mm -hmm. So um, you can attend one of those virtual info sessions and then part of the discernment process, you would actually come to the Brooklyn community and do a come and see weekend, which really helps you just meet the people there, live the life for a weekend and experience it in the flesh um, to help with the discernment process. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, you can contact Natalia Fasano, who's the director of the missionary program. Mm -hmm. And the email would be info at consolacio.org. Mm -hmm. And what, what is the age range for somebody who'd be interested in having this experience? Do you know? Um, people who are ages 18 to 30. 18 to 30. Yeah, those are young people. Um, wonderful. Well, you know, the other thing is I, I'd be happy if, if any of our listeners contact me to put them in contact with you. So folks can just talk individually with somebody who's been on uh, a mission experience too, especially for those uh, noting that the three of you were from the Archdiocese of Chicago originally in our parishes. So um, it, you know, nice to speak to somebody who's uh, also from the same area. 
Um, so now as we're reaching uh, the end of our show today, I'm glad we were able to share some more of this kind of contact information for Consolatio because I think um, people have had, you know, have, I think learned a lot today on our show and I think there's a lot more yet. So um, important for folks to look that up. But I would like to ask kind of as we conclude, um, have you... You know, I, I, it sounds like you're all very glad that you had this experience, that it has continued to be a gift in your life. So I'm, I don't even bother to ask if that's true, because I know it is. Um, but um, so I, I would just say kind of final thoughts with just a few minutes to go, um, about three minutes more. Um, what impact has this experience had on you? Um, what example, I'm sure there's many, but uh, one example of how this experience has had an impact on you and your life um, and is propelling you forward in some different way than maybe beforehand. Um, so I'll ask Elizabeth that question. Sure, I think um, um, something that continues to uh, propel me in my life now is um, in little ways, the ways I can, um, trying to imitate some of our rhythms of life. Um, and for example, right now I live um, as a young single person with a roommate and um, every morning we try to pray morning prayer together and it doesn't always work out because we're both working people now, but, um, just this, this focus of intentionality and community still, um, is a driving force for the things I seek in life as I'm trying to figure out where my next steps are and where God's leading me. Wonderful. Excellent. Thank you. And Rhiannon, your thoughts, what are you taking? Yeah. Um, I would say the, the charisma of presence has really stuck with me. And so now um, as I was saying, like, kind of always being on mission, um, I feel the same here at school where, like, yes, it's a very, it's a very privileged place. It's like, we're all, like, young people and we're all learning and we have this great education and um, a beautiful setting, but everyone struggles and everyone suffers. Um, and so it's been very important for me to be... Um, always kind of watching out for that among my friends and among people that I meet in class or outside of class, like just everywhere. Um, I've kind of, I've grown a lot in that regard of being able to see the person as the person um, and try to be there for them and whatever they need um, in every aspect of my life here. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking of the word listening. I think that, that, mm -hmm. that this is a big tool and resource in mission that we need to be li really listening and seeing people as they are absolutely well thank you all three of you for your time today thank you for sharing very personal um experiences and uh thoughts and reflections in your faith um and thank you for sharing about consolatio and hopefully our listeners will learn a little bit more so thanks for joining us and sharing your beautiful experiences of god's people anna elizabeth and rhiannon your wonderful examples of this missionary spirit. May you continue to find new ways to offer this ministry of presence in your lives. And thank you for listening. And remember, always be on mission. Bye-bye. <laughs>